Oopsie doodle. This is Corey, and this is the uh, the Anta podcast. Uh, apologies up front. We had some technical issues that had uh, problems with the sound on Facebook, and took out the first little bit of the show here, but it was just the introduction. So I'll tell you real quick, if you want to subscribe, go to anchor.fm forward slash Oh, the Anthem, Oh, the Anthem on all the major social networks, uh, go to Facebook for the usual live stream of the podcast and YouTube for the video version of the podcast. Uh, we were right in the, the beginning of sports ball. We just launched a show, uh, and we were talking about our fantasy draft. Cue the sports ball music. <laughs> Uh, so where was I? Oh, uh, I was very sad. One sad moment. Uh, two, I guess two sad moments. Sad moment. Number one, Adam Thielen for the first time in three seasons will not be on my team. Yeah. Uh, John, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> I just kept making jokes about like, Oh, it's second round. I guess it's time for Rob to take Adam Thielen. So uh, you asked me earlier about a plan. I did have him plan for like third or fourth round, depending on how the QB situation was going to shake out. And then John reached down from like the second pick in the third round and got yeah. it. I'm like, okay, all right, well, sure. <laughs> uh, the other thing that didn't work out was, uh, Le'Veon Bell sat on my bench all season long last year. Uh, I am one of the owners who he uh, jokingly said in a press conference in New York, like, sorry about last year, but all you got to do is just stick with me and I'm going to prove it to you this year. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I bet he will. I'm going to get him. And then somebody took him in the first round, like so, like fifth or sixth. Uh, yeah. Fifth it, or sixth. It's always weird when you like are planning around. Uh, so like I listen to a lot of ESPN Fantasy podcast, ESPN Fantasy Focus in particular, if mm-hmm. you guys are looking for a good uh, fantasy fo- fo- uh, fantasy football podcast. Mm, there we go, yeah. <laughs> um, but they go off of ESPN rankings, and ESPN rankings are way different than Yahoo rankings. So they're like the whole time I've been listening to them, they've been saying things like, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, Nick Chubb is a great value in the second round, and I'm just like, oh, okay, second round, I can pick up Nick Chubb, yeah. uh, I'll be good to go, and then all of a sudden, Nick Chubb's like a first-round pick in Yahoo. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, damn it, my whole plan. He's ranked like sixth. And I'm like, oh, well. Uh, and all the dumb people. You all right there? What yeah, you? I just got logged out for a second. So, uh, okay. All right. Camera's looking for me, but the microphone was in my way. So, <sighs> I got you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you never know how it's going to go. And no matter how many mock drafts you do, um, when you're playing with a league that has at least four people who don't really follow football, it's kind of a wild card. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. Well, uh, you get Justin Tucker taken in the fifth round. And two defenses. Yeah. I don't. It's just crazy. <laughs> you never know what to expect. Uh, but uh, I think it went well. According to Yahoo, you and I were in the middle of the pack. I was last. I was dead last oh, in the right? draft rating. Yeah, ooh, ooh. that means Rachel did better than you. Yeah, she did. But you know, it's okay. It's not. Uh, we don't win this game in the in the draft ratings. We we do it in the field. Now, the from digital field of battle, the website that I did my research from, and by that I mean the 20 minutes last night that I was <laughs> like, let's figure out who we're going to be drafting, uh, ranked me number one, uh, and uh, you guys, uh, you know, middle of the pack. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I think that there's a little bit of prejudice based on, like, if you were to always take the best player available, I just think Yahoo boosts you up as a draft score. Like, I think yeah. Sean McCoy probably really messed up my draft score well and i think it's about like when you take players so i mean like one of the strategies i had going in and uh you know again i i completely understand if people don't want to listen to my fantasy football advice anymore yeah. uh especially seeing as last year i was just like 
the Le'Veon Bell thing is going to work itself out. Yeah. He's going to come yeah. back. He's yeah. going to be 100%. You're going to have him all season long. He's going to be trying to prove himself for that contract. <sighs> yeah. Like all those things I said clearly did not work out. Uh, but this year, part of my plan was uh, I don't want to draft one of the hot, one of the quarter. I don't want to spend the pick on the Holmes, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to uh, draft a quarterback that early. Uh, but I don't want to be left with one of the schlubs. So my my one of the schlubs, one of the thirty-two best athletes in the country. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, not one of the you know. There's there's like twenty really good quarterbacks. Yeah, I didn't want to end up with one of the last ten. Yeah, I didn't want to have a Tannehill or a, a Flacco. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but I wanted Lamar Jackson because I, I I just feel I, I there was a world where I could imagine he was the best player in fantasy football at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And He's it's hard. Mahomes. It's hard when you get to like the fifth round on where you start saying to yourself like. You know, like, well, if all the things break right, then, you know, like it's it, I'm looking for players with upside at a certain point. Yeah. So I reach on Lamar just so I make sure I have him because at some point a Ravens fan is just going to be like, oh, I'll take Lamar. He's on the board. Like Justin know? Tucker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I didn't want that to happen to me. So I took him early and I'm sure Yahoo like penalized me for taking him like mm-hmm. around too early. But it's like one of those things like you got to go with your gut. You can't just like you got to worry about whether or not he's going to be here the next time you pick. And that's you know, 20 picks from now. <laughs> so like, yeah, uh, I still maintain that having first or second pick or 11th or 12th pick is yeah. the way to go. Because you, when you're in that tight situation where you're like, I got two guys I want, is he going to be around? I picked eighth. There's a, there's a lot of picks in between both times yeah. I pick. Whereas when you're 11, 12 or one and two, you're just like, all right, I'm going to get him. And then two rounds later, I'm going to get him. You know, right. just, it's right back to back. So it's a lot easier. Uh, I guess we'll see how it shakes out over the long term. Uh, we had the trophy here on the West Coast for... When we moved out, yeah. Yeah, with us when we came. Uh, and it's been back on the East Coast for two the last seasons. Two seasons. Now, yeah. yeah. So here we go. Uh, trying to bring it back to the West. So if you are fans, uh, we'll be sure to update you uh, as we go along. Uh, about Especially when it's like, you know, like, oh, the Anthem Bowl week. Where yes. it's me versus you and stuff yes. like that. But I mean, like people generally speaking, don't like to hear like about who you have on your fantasy team and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Man. But I mean, like, so we're not gonna we're not gonna obviously fill. You know, the draft is sort of like this big momentous moment, right? But and when uh, <laughs> when Rachel beats you with her haphazardly thrown together team, I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. <laughs> when I score double digits above the lowest person, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that. I, I'm just gonna love like what's one of the picks we were like making fun of her for. Like in jest, obviously. Oh, I, I, there was so many of them. Uh, I just love that you talked her out of several players, <laughs> and then by the time the minute thirty ran, she selected the uh, Jameis. She came oh, back to Jameis, the first yeah. one that you selected, you uh, recommended. So no, no, but I mean, like, I, I think it would be really funny if just like Jameis ends up being the best quarterback of the year. Oh yeah, like yeah. you know, Bruce Arians just lights a special flame under him or something like that, and he becomes like the best player in fantasy football, and like Rachel feels like she got a real steal. I'm just like, God damn it. Lamar's yep. injured in week two. And I'm just like, fuck this thing. Uh, funnier, <laughs> funnier situation. Game. Yes. He has the the year of his life and no one reminds her to put him on the starting <laughs> spot. <laughs> just, if this just year starting Carson, Carson Wentz won a Super Bowl. I can't. <laughs> if this year is like any other, by the time we hit week 10 or 11, there'll be injuries. There'll be bye weeks and just people will stop trading. And it'll just be like, <laughs> no one remind Maggie to change her lineup <laughs> right now. She's got five slots empty. It's going to be great. Uh, and losing the IDP. I know you guys hate the IDP, but for me, it's made a difference. I think twice now I've won a game that's been really close and I've had, you know, like a linebacker show up on Monday night. Give See, me two the, points. I guess my problem with the IDP is it's a too much to focus on. 
uh, and defensive stats are so weird and unusual to be. I mean, like I would understand if you had a player like Ed Reed who mm. would be available as like an IDP player because you're just like, all right, on any given week he could have a touchdown yep. return, <laughs> like you know, interception or a kick for, return. I mean, he he can score a lot. Whatever, uh, like yeah. you know, there, there's tons of different options for him. I just feel like the defense works better for that sort of thing because then you can say like, oh, uh, the Ravens are going up against the Dolphins and Tannehill or uh, not Tannehill, uh, Fitzpatrick isn't, uh, you know, really great. He's probably going to throw three picks away, maybe yeah. return one. That's a great place to be because you get to choose like the field essentially yeah. as opposed to just one specific player. So what you're saying is it takes more skill to choose a player and you don't want to do that. No, I just think that the the random nature, I mean cuz you know, it's 12 teams, so the max number of defensive players we're going to have is like 12 or mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. if somebody decides to take backups on them. But I mean like Which somebody might have. But like the 12 best defensive players, like all of them are pretty much equal. It's just a matter of like who happens to have an unusual week. And, and it's nice that, like, I, I get you. I've been on one of those uh, weeks where I've been playing somebody, and it's been, like, equal all the way through. And then all of a sudden, my defensive player had, like, a fumble for, fumble return for a touchdown, and that made the difference in the week. Yep. But I don't know. It's just, it's just sort of, like, random, like... I also like even number of rounds during the draft. I don't like that the person who chose first also chooses first in the very last round. And it's like, uh, I know it doesn't really matter, but it's like, now we're getting down to how much research did you really do Versus maybe guessing. And like, again, so LaShawn McCoy is 253. I went down for him in round 13 or whatever it was. But then after that, I, I skipped down 10 positions to choose. Uh, no, I didn't because I, I got my character last round, but 14. I went down 10 positions and then just like selected somebody who I thought was going to be a sleeper. I'd like one more round of like, how much research did you do? How ready are you for this? And that's what makes the difference. I, I mean, the IDP can make the difference too because you know what? When, um, I don't know, when, uh, Rachel or Chelsea is choosing someone who retired yesterday. That is what I want. I want more opportunity for that. You know what I would really like is uh, for somebody to figure out the way to do like a practice squad mm-hmm. for fantasy. Because right now in, in the NFL rosters, uh, there's a certain number of players that could be designated for the practice squad. And they're not free agents, but you can sign them off another team. Yes. Yeah. So like say there's like some left tackle on New Orleans's practice squad that the Ravens want. Because, you know, somebody got injured or something like that. Then they can uh, basically sign them off the practice squad of another team. They just have to send, you know, $700,000 to the Saints or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I would like there to be some sort of method of like, okay, in addition to the picks that you already have, we also have three practice squad spots. And you can bring somebody up off your practice squad or somebody else could like essentially trade for one of those people. Right, yeah. But it's like an extra person on your bench. But Why don't you just do three extra bench spots? No, because then it, it adds the intrigue of like, say I want one of your guys. Okay. I can yeah. I can make a you could pick anyone off my practice squad if I want to try and pick one of your guys off. Okay. But if you're one of your guys on your practice squad has like a big week and everyone's trying to pick them off, you can either move them to your roster or right. you can give them up, you know? Okay. I, so I it like guess. gives a little bit of flexibility on some like uh some of those sleepers that like uh you know, like nobody was taking uh Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. because he even though he's a great running back He's not going to be back until like week eight. Yeah. So there's yeah. no point in having him sit on your bench like, you know, <laughs> loafing for eight weeks, you know? Uh, but now if you that... had him on your practice squad roster and it's week six and somebody has some extra space on their roster and they want to try and take him from you. Yeah. Then you have to make the decision. Is he moving up to the roster? Is he sitting on the bench and getting zero points? Or is he like 
I'm not going to give him up for somebody on somebody else's practice squad. And, uh, and just make a clean s- swap, you I know? I could have left Le'Veon on the practice squad. And then uh, when somebody else has more faith than I do that he's coming <laughs> back in week five or six, yeah. made a big move to get yeah, him yeah, off yeah. the practice squad. Yeah, sure. Um, although I did get trade offers uh, even as, I think as late as like week five. And I was just like, yeah. no, you're crazy. He's coming <laughs> back. He's coming back. He'll be um, here any day. <laughs> I will say that the IR is interesting because I have, Three players, I think now, who are not starting week one. Yeah, but it's like, all right, well, are they back before the bye? I That's wish the there, question. I wish there was just a better way to do like a DL in football. Yeah, because it used to be injured reserve or nothing, and then they started doing the injured reserve designated to return, which yeah. means that like, you know, somebody got hurt and they were going to be out for a while, but not the whole season. You could basically block off the first eight weeks, and yeah. they could come back in week nine. But then you know, it, it's just like a whole like that. It would be great if there was just like a two game DL that you can put a player yeah. on, you know? I mean, and for fantasy too, just because yeah. there's a lot of guys who, uh, I, one of the guys I have is marked is ready to go. And then I saw a story after the draft that was like questions about whether or not he's ready to return. <laughs> I'm like fucking super. All yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> well, at least he's there. So that's nice. We'll see. I always hate after the draft when like, uh, Oh, I remember this happened to me with uh, David Dahl and baseball ones. He's a Rockies outfielder. He had a really great season the year before. And, like, in spring training, he had some, like, nagging little, like, you know, like, oh, he's got an ankle injury, and he might miss a week or two up front, but it looks like he's ready to play. And I'm just like, you know what? He's a great player. I'm getting him late. I feel like this is a steal. I'm Mm going to draft him. And then I drafted him, and then he didn't play for, like, the entire season because, like, that ankle injury turned into, like, a thigh injury Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) turned into a hip injury, and he never, like, got up from the minors to the majors. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's killing me. (laughs) I could cut him, but they just said it was a week. They said he's gonna be back in a week, so I gotta. <laughs> this thigh injury is only gonna be another week, and then he gets he's ready to call, call it up. He's like the next game he's gonna get called up, and then all of a sudden he has back surgery, and you're just like, what? What am I gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> what am I gonna do here? Just keep on keeping on yeah. as best we can. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, I think the only uh, team that is gonna do better than uh, my fantasy team is the Baltimore Ravens. I think that they're. Uh... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I we live in this world always where I don't want to be the one who says this team looks really good and I think we can make the playoffs and win. Yeah. yeah. Because whenever I do, horrible things happen. <laughs> and whenever I say this team is horrible and it's not gonna work out, then it goes really well. It goes really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to just say horrible things because I want them to go well. But I mean like I mean, this team is really interesting. I, I think that there's a lot of questions about what they're actually going to do because they haven't been doing it throughout the preseason. They haven't been working on uh, the new offense that they said is going to, like, revolutionize how running is done in the NFL. Ooh, yeah. So, Ooh. you know, it, it's it's a uh, – it'll be really interesting to see what this Ravens team looks like after week one. Yeah. Especially with an easy Miami uh, uh, opponent that will <laughs> – Hopefully, be able to show the the extent of what the Ravens are possible with, and and hopefully they have a game in Miami, and it's not like a last minute like, oh, we're gonna play in Baltimore with Miami as the home team, yeah, uh, based on the uh, weather. Or just some weird like <laughs> we're gonna play in Carolina because something's wrong with the the field in Miami. You yeah, know, it's like rained out or something like that. Well, yeah, it's uh it's just like any other sport in Baltimore. Uh, hopeful optimism. Where we're just like, you know, it, they, they're looking all right. Uh, it could be good. Also, it could be horrible. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things shake out in the long run. Um, but, uh, I mean, honestly, it's, I feel like it's a three-team division. And I think that the Browns and Steelers and the Ravens are all 
good teams that could make the playoffs, and we're all going to be beating up on each other a lot. Well, luckily, there's only four teams in the division. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you know, this could be one of those years where it's like uh, the winner of the division is nine and seven because we just all split each other in matchups between the Browns and Steelers and the Ravens and stuff like that. Uh, it's not like, uh, have you looked at uh, where you think uh, what the playoff teams will be this year? Uh, I haven't done a lot of looking at it. I, I looked at the AFC North more than I have everywhere else. And mm. my, I had the same thought you did. And my concern is if that's the case, the wild card becomes really hard because you have like, if you're at nine and seven, you win the division. There's likely going to be a team that's two teams that are better than that. Yeah. Going into the playoffs in second place somewhere else. And, and it's hard because uh, you really want it's, it's the rules almost seem to not favor the good divisions because, uh, you know, if you are, well, we were talking about, uh, Carolina, I think last year, the year before where mm. they ended up, no, it was, um, Tennessee had an abysmal record, but yeah. still made the playoffs just because they were the yeah, best they were team, the in, best that team in the worst di- division. Yeah. So they got in, but then there's other teams that have like competitive divisions and they're beating up on each other all the time and they have a worse record, but, um, they didn't make the playoffs because uh, because the worst record, not because their division is harder. I think the 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 thing about the, every year a team jumps out of nowhere yeah. and just does really well, and it's hard to tell which team that's going to be this year. I think Arizona. I think Arizona. You think Arizona is going to jump from last place to yes playoffs essentially? Yes. I think Kyler uh, has a lot more going on than people are thinking, which is why I took him hmm. in like the eleventh or twelfth round, whatever it was. I kind of I kind of like Tampa. I feel like they they have something uh, interesting going on. I mean, and, Indy is a big question too. Yeah, I think Indy. Uh, is, so the way I sort of foresee it is, I I kind of want to go chalk with how the division ratings or how the division rankings went last year. Okay. In the AFC, at the very least, I think the Patriots are going to win the the East. Uh, <sighs> again, it's anyone's ball in the North, but I think that the Ravens have enough that they can they can win it oh another surprise though uh how's baker mayfield gonna do because you have two see but it, it, it's not just baker it's that defense that defense mm-hmm. is not as great as any of the other defenses and you know like it's high-powered offense but you know if you're if you're just getting shootouts all the time also do you think the patriots are as effective without rob gronkowski uh i think they'll back? figure out a way to make it work because he's been out a lot over the last That's couple true. years anyway with yeah. injuries and stuff like that so i i worry about uh more than anything, I, th- I start thinking about the players who have been good for all these years but might just get too old all of a sudden. Tom Brady. Well, I mean, the, you know, Tom Brady's 42. So, yeah. I mean, like, at some point he's just going to show up and he's just not going to be able to throw it anymore and you're going to be like, oh, God. you know. And if you're Bill Belichick, do you have the balls to be like, hey, Tom, um, it's time. You should just head <laughs> just on into the go. Locker. Yeah. Just leave. I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think the franchise, they want him to decide when he's done. And even if everyone else kind of thinks he is, I think they'll let him show up and play. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he he would at least play out this season, even if it went horribly. Like a nice helmet to helmet week one. (laughs) That would be amazing. Um, I mean, I think Denver might be interesting. They could jump up. Uh, I don't like how the Chargers offseason is going. (laughs) Not having Melvin Gordon is a big problem. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, uh, they lost uh, Derwin James for the season, their star safety and stuff like that. Like, it, it's just a lot of things seem to be compounding into a not-so-great L.A. Chargers season. Good news. Ticket prices becoming well, the, way more reasonable. The other thing, too, is, like, I, I, I heard about their schedule, and it's like, 
they basically all eight home games that they play are against like eight of the best traveling yeah. <laughs> like yeah. fan bases in all of like they you know they get the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Raiders which are all like the Ra- all of these things are it's like every single week is a road game for the Chargers yeah until they get into that stupid state. I was gonna say the uh, the Chiefs and the uh, Raiders especially. There may be more opponent fans in the stadium than your own fans. There might be more people in Los Angeles who are Raiders fans than Chargers fans. Yeah, yeah. Just living within the city limits of Los Angeles. So it's hard to... I think Houston's got the South. I, I don't really feel confident about any of the other teams. I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I don't think the Texans run away with it, but I, I think they eventually win. Um, I, I imagine our wild cards are probably going to be these surprise teams like maybe the Broncos would be a wild card or uh like the Jets maybe on the periphery of being able to I mean it, your faith in Joe Flacco is just <laughs> just unwavering it's not you know it's not even Joe it's just that I I'd be curious to see what kind of offense they build around Joe for the season uh mostly because well it, they have to put an extra guy on the field which is weird because somebody has to pull the wheelchair back from under center so <laughs> to that, get him into the pocket yeah it just gets him in the pocket that's the fullback the fullback doesn't oh, okay, to do anyway. yeah yeah and modern nfl offenses the fullback is sort of <laughs> the wheelchair bearer um I, I i just feel like in the last couple of seasons with the ravens there was so much of like joe try and throw into this triple coverage and get a flag yeah. And like that didn't work out for him. And I think that if there's an offense where it's just like, you know, th- there's a lot of like those Emmanuel Sanders, like 60 yard touchdown plays yeah. that happened in the last couple seasons with different Broncos quarterbacks. I think Joe's perfectly suited for just like heaving the ball down the field. I say, but you know who they're starting the season without? Emmanuel Sanders. I thought he was good. I thought uh, he was no. ready. He, no. I saw something last night that said, do not draft him because uh, the reports you've heard may not be accurate. Oh. He, he may not actually be playing week one. So, mm. uh, yeah, so then I avoid him, but then you, uh, I go on after the draft and see, like, oh, yes, this player who we told you to look for. But turns out he might not be ready for week one. So The so NFC nice. is the other side where I'm just like, I, I don't I, – I feel like there's teams I know could win and teams I know can't win, but it's like I don't know which team is going to end up at the end of it all. What are like, your thoughts on Detroit? I don't think Detroit's going to be very good. Really? No. Oh. I, I think I think it's a three-way race between Chicago and Minnesota and Green Bay. Oh, all right. And I honestly think Green Bay might surprise some people this season. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers isn't that good of a quarterback anymore. I heard you tell Rachel that earlier. <laughs> um, the South. I mean, like like I said, I like the Bucks. I think the Panthers might be interesting. I uh, Drew Brees is another one of those quarterbacks who's like he's getting it. He's like 39 at this point. Yeah, and I'm just worried. At what point do we start the season and we're watching the Saints and we just go like, oh, Drew Brees doesn't look like the same guy anymore. And, and then, uh, he's a franchise quarterback that I think I think like Tom Brady. I don't think the team gets rid of him. That yeah. they just send him out there as long as he wants to go out there, even if he's not. Looking It'll be great. like that late, late last Peyton Manning season. Yeah, where it's just clear he couldn't throw the ball more than like 20 yards. But, but with he's any kind of oomph. He's but like guy. they just figured out, out an offense to work around it. Yeah. Um, but I Drew Brees Seattle, also I think could be good nine, so it's hard to build an offense. Around. Run it ninety percent <laughs> of the time. That's our offense. The West is, I think, the most interesting division for me between the Rams, the Seahawks, the Niners, and the Cardinals. Mm. Uh, I think that there's a chance that somebody sort of like surprises in that division. Uh, though the Seahawks just got somebody. Uh, didn't they just get Jadavian Clowney or something like that? Mm. Like, I, I haven't heard that. So I thought I I just heard they traded for somebody pretty big. Uh, and I, I think that would be a, a good 
uh, sign for them. Like, get just level up that defense again. Uh, well, I got two uh, Seahawks on my team, so I would really like them to perform mm-hmm. well. I'd yeah. like Russell Wilson to uh, come out and be a quarterback. That'd be great. Yeah. But there's a little uh, NFL preview. Yeah. Do you have uh, any any thoughts specifically on the Ravens? No, I mean, like, it's, it's again, hopeful optimism. You're, you're always hopeful. Uh, is this the season that uh, I go put a bet on the Ravens? I go to Vegas, put a little yeah. something, something on it. I mean, it, I don't think the odds are good enough that you get a big payoff and the odds, the odds of them actually winning aren't great. So I don't know that. Uh, well, let's, let's see what happens here. Uh, wait, you can find odds on the internet. I know. That weird, right? Odd. Gambling's illegal in this state. <laughs> Not anymore. Sports gambling. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, Raven. I'm just going to put Ravens odds. I'm sure it'll show me all of the different options here. Uh, my bookie. top result my bookie don't they know what a bookie is <laughs> oh this is just all right super bowl yeah uh the ravens wow down here a bit oh anyway there it is i see i don't like how far you were scrolling three thousand three thousand to one so 30 to one 31 okay yeah yeah uh but again that means that uh a hundred dollar bet with a 100 dollar bet it's three thousand right yeah. Um, let's see. AFC Conference. Uh, one. Fourteen hundred plus fourteen hundred. So bet a but a hundred get fourteen hundred back. Yeah. Uh, that's not bad. That's that seems better than the Super Bowls. To be honest. But with keep you. in mind again, last year uh, the odds were horrible. Ravens plus three fifty for the division. That might be the one. See, I don't know if they make the playoffs per se, but I think that. Oh my God! You can do it by potential matchup too. <laughs> this is a wonderful site. So uh, hypothetically, let's go to the Ravens here. And Corey had a trip planned home, but now unfortunately, Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> All right. So if it's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Baltimore Ravens yes. in the Super Bowl, hundred dollar bet gets you uh, sixty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Jesus. So I mean, if you're feeling pretty confident about Kyler Murray, I mean, it's hard not to. I'm not at that least confident. Put like a sample, like a. Like a little tasting so bet. Wait, wait. Like a so $20. Like, look at a $10 bet still pays off $6,900. I mean, you could always parlay some of these things, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you think that the, the Ravens are going to make the make the playoffs but not win the division, you could do like a Listen, Browns for the division but Ravens for the playoffs parlay. As a uh, good, upstanding, moral man, I <laughs> don't bet. I don't <laughs> place wagers because, uh, as the Bible says, it's illegal. It's immoral. <laughs> Mutes the microphone. Where's that sighting? <laughs> mybookie.com i saw it yes it's uh it's fine i'll save it for later <laughs> but uh i think that the uh the best and the worst thing is best thing nfl football is back that's yeah. always good worst thing is oh crap we gotta get up at 9 a.m again for the next 14 weeks uh, yeah. yeah so although uh ravens are playing in la yeah on so, a monday night on monday night so that's not horrible um we were looking at tickets too yeah a little bit uh and not so bad like 35 bucks to get in and stuff like that like in the door price yeah uh and that's a monday night game which i'm also a little upset because i would love that to be a sunday game where we would be able to get up at a reasonable hour because mm. it's a four o'clock game instead they put it on monday where we'd be watching in the evening anyway um but you know sure yeah i'll do it <laughs> fine yeah um one last thing on sports ball before yes. we go. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but the Masson lawsuit has sort of reached a new uh, a conclusion, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, I mean, there's still there's still grounds for appeal, but uh, 
for those who are not following the the whole situation or don't know much about this, uh, the Orioles, when the Nationals moved into town, were gifted a sports network mm-hmm. uh, by Major League Baseball. Yes. Uh, later to be known as Masson, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. Yes. Uh, they would have two teams underneath contract for that uh, network. It would be both the Orioles and the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for... Uh, the Nationals being the new team invading the media market of the Orioles, uh, the splits were supposed to go dramatically towards the Orioles for the first like ten years of of the, well, the no, two of so them being in town. It's actually the, where it was like higher in the first couple years and like grates down until eventually after ten years they're at like fifty fifty essentially. So yes and no, uh, because it's uh, there's a difference between the profits for Masson and then the payouts that go to the team mm-hmm. because Peter Angelos owner of the Orioles actually owns the network. Yeah. So the splits on profits are something like 79 29 and they will always stay that. But then there's something else about payouts for the team, like money that it's set aside for the team. So yes. And Masson and all of these little networks by their contract with the MLB have to set aside a certain amount of profits for the teams themselves. Now, Peter Angelos will personally benefit by profits for Masson Right. The team itself, and, and arguably that would benefit the Orioles too, except for he's not going to give the Orioles any more money. Yeah. Um, but then the the money set aside for the teams is what got kind of split up and worked its way down. But And one of the things that the Nationals have argued in the past is that, well, this money that Peter Angelos gets is essentially Orioles money. Uh, and I'm wondering if any Orioles attorney walked in and be like, do you know Peter Angelos? Like, <laughs> that's not Orioles money. That's Peter Angelos money. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, it, it's supposed to work its way down. It, the big controversy was that the not the Nationals thought that they were getting shortchanged, um, not in their share because Masson followed the split as it was contracted, but that the profits in general for Masson had been miscalculated. Yeah, and therefore there's a smaller pot for both teams, and that perhaps Peter Angelos had said we're going to do this intentionally and then back road some of that money that he never would do otherwise to the team. So, yeah. you know, we're going to shortchange both teams, but then I'll make it up for the Orioles out of a separate pot. Yeah. Um, and it turns out they may have been doing that. So, well, and then the other part was initially when they had done this, they had two, uh, they had basically uh, the way the, they had uh, collectively bargained these types of situations mm-hmm. was that they would go to a uh, arbitration. Media, or, or, yeah. Arbitration with yeah. like a three panel arbitrators. Uh, and two of those arbitrators were lawyers for the Nationals, who right. weren't actively lawyers for the Nationals, but had recently done work for the Nationals. Yeah. And they had uh, ruled in favor of the Nationals, and then Angelus was just like, this is a crock of shit. Yeah. And then appealed that to a court, and then the court said, yeah, you can't have <laughs> you can't have it biased like this. Yeah. And then uh, that kept getting appealed back and forth and back and forth until eventually they're just like, listen – this is not going to stand. This does not stand in any sort of way. You have to kick it back to the original arbitration again with new arbitrators. Yeah. And then they did that, and then they found the exact same thing with people who weren't biased, but based off of the work that had been done before. Yeah, so eventually, so what happens when they turn, overturn the appeal is that basically it goes back to the original arbitrators who then have to qualify why it is that they decided what they decided, which you don't mm-hmm. usually have to do in arbitration. But after going back and forth so many times, the court was basically like, yeah, we're never going to get a satisfactory answer. The real yeah. problem is you have people who are biased and they cannot put aside their bias. Clearly, in all their responses, they were not able to put aside their bias. Yeah. But um, 
They did send it back, and they, the Nationals won again, but the number is way smaller. That's the important thing. It's yeah. 20 it, million a year instead of 60 million a year. But it's still like $200 million in total as yes. opposed to – and this is the thing. I, I If you don't think that uh, other MLB owners are looking at this and thinking about how uh, they're going to either get screwed or screw somebody by doing this, then you're completely wrong. Yeah. Um, famously, the most <laughs> the thing that's sort of been like – Hanging over MLB the longest here has been the athletics and their situation in the Bay Area. Because when they had originally negotiated like the media markets for Oakland and San Francisco, mm-hmm. it was like West Bay is San Francisco uh, and East Bay and all the other surrounding regions are Oakland. But then San Francisco also gets south right. as opposed to Oakland, who gets a little bit north. And the thing was like, well, we can't. We can't build another stadium in Alameda because nobody lives here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too hard to build in Oakland because all the land is now super expensive because of San Francisco. Yeah. And we can't move the team to San Jose because that's the Giants media market. Right. And they're doing all this thing like, well, we found a new space where we could do a ballpark. And it's like Giants are like, no, absolutely not. You can't. Yeah. You can't build there. Uh, it's in Santa Clara. It doesn't it doesn't count. You can't do it. Um, and eventually, I think what this is going to come to is the A's are probably going to come up with some sort of agreement with the Giants where it's just like, hey, listen, we'll give you a certain amount of money every single year if you just let us be in San Jose. Yeah. And then they'll figure out some sort of way in court to overturn it and then never have to, like, pay the Giants that money. Sure. And I feel like the Giants would say to themselves, like, no, we're not doing shit because we've, we've seen this. we've seen how the <laughs> Orioles got screwed here. Out of all this money that they thought they were getting in exchange for their media market. Yeah. And, like, D.C. is a way bigger media market than San Jose is. And they <laughs> nobody wants to get screwed in this situation. Yeah. And it's setting up very dangerous precedents for how this sort of thing happens in the future. If the Athletics move to Oakland, did they be, or move to San Jose, did they become the San Jose Athletics? I don't know. I, I mean, it's too far away from Oakland to, to really, be Oakland, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you can't. Uh, maybe they should move to Vegas. <laughs> well... There's an opening there. And uh, if you're in Oakland, just if you live in Oakland, how much do you just hate sports in general after that? <laughs> Both your teams leave to go to the same city? But well, I think, I think you have to move to Vegas too then. <laughs> like, no, oh, that's true. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm going to move to Vegas. Um, <laughs> Oakland's done. I it's do all think in the, Vegas uh, now. The bigger impact might be that some of the teams have really big market areas. Yeah. And that means that it's really limiting to expand or to move a team now. Um, well, that was that was. I mean, like the argument for why the Nationals were supposed to get punished so badly over the ten-year period of this initial Masson agreement, yeah, was because the Orioles' market, media market, was so gargantuanly huge mm-hmm. for a team in such a small market. So the Orioles went all the way up towards like. You know, like they they meet up with the Phillies and Pirates markets in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, the Orioles are in York, yeah. Um, and then it went all the way south down towards like uh, North Carolina, where it like met up with the Braves, yeah. And then it goes all the way out towards uh, like through West Virginia and Virginia up until it reached like Ohio and Kentucky, yeah, where it meets like the Indians and the the Reds because it's a big, huge amount of space that was just open for the Orioles. P.S. The value of the market still way smaller than a lot of the big yeah. medium markets, even though it's that big of an area. I um, mean, uh, just the Washington Baltimore market is like the fourth biggest media market in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're adding in like sort of tertiary things like, you know, a little bit of Pennsylvania and most of Virginia and a little bit of North Carolina and Kentucky and Ohio and stuff like that, you're talking about like 
one of the bigger media markets that you just split up and basically gave half to the Nationals. Well, and I was going to say, I guess if you include, uh, yeah, if you include Washington and that Baltimore, Washington, because Baltimore itself is not in the top 50 media markets. No. But, but the two of them together, yeah, yes, the yeah. corridor. And then, because, like, and it's also, it's uh, really tight in the Northeast, I guess, because, yeah, there's teams in, in Pennsylvania, there's teams in New York. I think New York actually works, like, at the same time. Because they're There's AL crossover, and, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I don't think it's, like, specific, like, the Bronx and Manhattan is the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> Queens and Staten Island is the is the Mets but or something. But Yes is not owned by either of the teams, I don't think. Yes just got... Uh, the, this, this is the part of the reason why I thought about it this week. Okay. And I wanted to talk about it. Yes just got purchased. Did you hear about this? No. Uh, so, uh, a couple years ago, uh, in the NBA... Uh, the Clippers got sold to Steve Ballmer for $2 billion. Wait, why did they get sold? <laughs> Listen to 30 for 30's uh, podcast series on uh, Donald Sterling. Or go back to Cinco de Mayo 1 where we were talking about Donald Sterling for more. That is how uh, long ago that was, yeah. Um, but yeah, so five years ago, sure, the Clippers yeah. got sold for $2 billion. Uh, the biggest sale of a sports franchise before that was $600 million for the Bucks. Right. Um, so there was all this thing of like, you know, like, well now, you know, somewhere between one and a half and up is the selling price for a franchise in a major sport now. Yeah. In uh, a major market. Cause it's the LA Clippers. Like, uh, yeah. But since I then a lot buy... of other teams have been bought and sold for lots of money. You know, the Carolina Panthers were sold for a huge amount of money as well. And, but not the highest offer, by the way. I no. learned that because you know who made the highest offer? J or uh, Diddy, right? A consortium led by Sean Combs and uh, shit, I can't remember his real name. Um, Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, the owner of the Panthers chose a lower bid uh, and uh, sold it to somebody else. But not Jay Z. Not Jay Z's tied in with the NFL though, and he's like on the fast track for ownership somewhere. So. Uh, yeah. See, I had this argument on Friday. I don't think he is. I think that's their way to placate him and not give him a team. Mm. So, but yeah, it's uh, it, they do sell for a lot. But again, they don't always sell for the most money people want to pay. No, and that's yeah. not really important though. I, I, my thought process is more about like, yeah, yeah. How much but was yeah. the, the pants so, sold for? Like a, less than a billion dollars. No, no, it was way more than a billion. Really? Yeah, it was like a billion eight or something like that. That's crazy. But here's the thing: uh, <laughs> the Yankees, which has always sort of been seen as like the crown jewel of how much a, a team could conceivably be sold for. Yeah. Uh, they just sold, yes, just their media, just the, the television home of the Yankees, and they have, like, other shows on there that, like, fill out the schedule. But just, yes, sold for $2.19 billion the other day, and that is incredible and amazing and ridiculous. But it was owned by the team itself, not yeah. by the Steinbrenners. It was, uh, so it was, I think it was owned... All these things, in a way, are owned by some sort of trust that's associated yeah. with, and then creates a shell company that owns the Yankees. Well, no, yeah, the the shell company only has like three members of its board, and they're all Steinbrenners. And it's like, but no, so like Angelos owns Masson. Yeah, but Yes is owned fifty percent by the Mets, fifty percent by the Yankees. No, just it's all not? Yankees. Well, do they, the Mets have their own network? Yeah. Oh, so not I'm their York, own. I think they're they're under like an NBC. Oh, maybe that. Like, oh, I mean, but maybe like that was NBC their at New York or whatever is like the the Mets' home or something like their that. Their choice but they was don't own the network. They wanted to continue to sell their rights to someone else instead of yeah. their own network. Well, that's right. fair enough. Okay, 
And I don't think they've been able to afford to be able to launch a network for a couple of years. Have you of, been to Flushing? <laughs> it's not doing well. No, well, they got they got a what's the name of that guy who fucked a lot of people financially? Uh, Madoff. They got Madoff than bad. Ah, yeah. Oh, oh, so. that's right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so now that we've taken uh, the first half hour of the show, we should probably uh, call it. Uh, so that was sports ball. Fortunately, not a lot else happening in, happening in the world. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, there's a hurricane bearing down on the uh, east coast of the United States, mm-hmm. specifically Florida. Uh, video coming out of the Bahamas and even just what's happening already on the east coast is pretty amazing. Uh, you know, one person who's not really been impacted by that, though. Trump. Trump went golfing this week. Uh, and uh, as people were leaving Florida in a panic, he, of course, um, shut down the airport at West Palm Beach so that he could land Air Force One, yeah, go golfing. And then later on, as people are hectically trying to, you know, evacuate from the hurricane, he then flew out, shutting down traffic one more time. <laughs> if there's not like a more tone deaf person in the world, I, I dare you to find someone who's more tone deaf. Honestly, it's it's not even like the tone deafness that amazes me. It's the the thought that like it, somebody if I was really obsessed with golfing. Yeah. And like there was a hurricane bearing down on Florida and my going golfing could impact people's ability to leave town. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would just be like, find me some of the you know, like I'll go golf in New Jersey this weekend or something like that. Or like, how about the other golf course you own in the D.C. area? Yeah, where you could just anywhere. drive like, to. Yeah, just <laughs> Go golfing somewhere. Like, you don't have to go to Florida to golf. Like, it's not the only place. Where, if he was just like, eh, I got a competitive highlight team that I'm involved in. Like, yeah, I get why you got to go to Miami South for that. Florida, <laughs> only place you could go. I can't. Uh, I, I just don't. <laughs> but I do. I think that there's a level. By the way, can you imagine Trump playing highlight? <sighs> How much it, fun would that be? It'd be kind of funny, actually. I think I would probably enjoy that. But uh, I think that the, the the bigger thing is like one tone deafness is is part of it. But also, you know, there was a conversation in the White House that was just like, uh, so let me ask you, honest question: Could we sneak in and out of South Florida this weekend? Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like we could. It's Labor Day, and I want to go golfing. What? You don't like that? Why no, can't I do on. it? Yeah, I'm the president. I can do whatever I want. Let's fire up those jet engines and get rolling. Um, and then he did, <laughs> and I just, it's like. You think I get in for a quick 18? Like, you mean like fly into <laughs> near a hurricane and fly yeah. back out? I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could. Yeah, I want to block a, roads dur- a lot of roads during an emergency. Do you mind if I... Uh... Well, he is the president. I was gonna say, well, sir, uh, you understand that would block off a lot of roads. Yeah, but I mean, the emergency roads are pretty clear right now, right? <laughs> like, I feel like we'd have a pretty wide berth to get in there and get out. I can't... Like, here, the, the thing that always never ceases to amaze me is that like just take any trump story replace the name with obama and think about all the people who would be like fucking incensed forever if obama like flew into florida to play golf during a hurricane by the way like they would talk about they talked about obama's tan suit yeah like what was it like five years ago or something like that it was the fifth anniversary of the the tan suit yeah it was like so five years ago they, they couldn't stop fucking talking about him wearing a goddamn tan suit for two and a half weeks can you imagine if he shut down like, like an airport during an emergency like this? 
And in the way that there is, it a, would be Hannity just for a week going like, he can't golf in New Jersey, he can't golf in Wyoming, he can't golf in Maryland. Like in the uh, realm of there is a tweet for everything as well. Um, the, of course, Trump tweeted, who knows how many dozens of times about, oh, Obama out golfing again during a national yeah. crisis. You're flying into the national crisis <laughs> to golf. You are out of your mind. Um, also, yeah, tan suit, but how about a three-foot-long red tie? Are we not going to talk about the tie, how he doesn't know how to tie a tie? Oh, God. I love it and I hate it. Uh, at least we have something to talk about, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, good luck to everyone in uh, Florida. I do love that I don't love. It's funny, not funny haha, but funny sad, that a bunch of people left Miami and went uh, up into Georgia to get away from the hurricane, mm. and then the hurricane, like, shifted right, and yeah. now it looks like it's going to hit where they... It's a little funny. Uh, it's going to hit where they actually ran to evacuate the hurricane. Yeah. So uh, I find that humorous. Humorous it, in like a the universe doesn't give a shit about you kind of way. Well, I mean, like, I feel like if you really wanted to like the, the people you're talking about, like who like avoided came to California during the hurricane. Yes. Like those yeah. are the people who are thinking like there's no way it's going this way. <laughs> there's no way it just cuts across like Texas and Arizona and New Mexico on its way to LA. So meanwhile, you land I in think LA, we're good. you're avoiding the hurricane and the big one hits <laughs> because they discovered a new fault. And they're like, Oh yeah, this is pretty rumbly. Isn't it uh, ironic? <laughs> uh, could be a 7.0 sometime in, you know, anytime between right now and 7,000 years from now. So good luck. <laughs> I like, by the way, that they found this fault. Again, like in a ha-ha, not fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that they found this fault. And then the, it, it's just like a media is just like, oh, yeah, that could be a problem. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, they like, found the end of it. And they were like, oh. Like, how do we not know about this? But like, So they did. They thought it was just extinct, though. They thought yeah. that it wasn't active. And then they're like, oh, we also thought that it kicked out into the ocean. It turns out it kicks out directly underneath the city. There's a small break. And here's another major fault. So... If the first one moves, there's a chance it will actually just fracture all the way to the second one, which would drive the power of the earthquake under Newport, uh, up, uh, Long Beach, Newport, upwards through Inglewood, and basically into the heart of L.A., um, which I believe is how the movie Volcano starts. Maybe, yeah. So if you live or work around the Beverly Center, get ready, because <laughs> we may have to knock that thing down to uh, redirect the, the lava. <laughs> Into the Los Angeles River and into the ocean. <laughs> Just um, imagine you're in Burbank, over <laughs> Barham Boulevard, looking at the LA River, and then all of a sudden, just lava starts going down. Yeah, you're just like, oh, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well then. Uh, things, if uh, something has happened, it's a wonderful day to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, seriously though, uh, be safe if you're in South Florida um, or North Florida or Georgia, apparently. <laughs> Or um, Carolina or Virginia or Maryland. Or yeah, the um, the storm's getting stronger, not weaker, which is uh, certainly has nothing to do with global warming, which is not a problem. It's something the liberal media is making up. So don't worry about that. Um, but in other tragic news, uh, it wasn't this morning, right? It was yesterday? I think so. All my days are running together. Yeah. Um, yet another shooting in yet another place in America. Uh, I believe that we are now pushing towards the average of two per day in the United States right now. Yeah. Uh, this one in Odessa, Midlands, Texas, uh, there were 21 people injured, including a 17 month old baby. Mm hmm. Uh, and seven people have now been confirmed dead. And 
I mean, I don't like. I want to there's talk not, about. There's it, nothing else that we can say that we haven't already said. Yeah. I I think the uh, what what I think about a lot is uh, immediately whenever I hear about a shooting in some place, I think about the people I know who live there. Yeah, we talked about this with El Paso last time. You know, some people in El Paso. I do. Yeah, uh, I know some people who live in Odessa. And it's one of those things like you hear shooting at Odessa and you start thinking, are the people that I know they're dead? Like, did they happen to go to... Especially this, like in public where yeah, it's I mean, not like, like at a church or whatever. It's, yeah, or like, you know, like, you know, there's there was a shooting not too long ago at like a farmer's market or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody you know could conceivably be there kind of thing, you know? Like, even if they're not going to buy produce or something, you know, they... They might be buying a pretzel or something like that. You know, like I was walking by and I decided to get a pretzel and now you get shot. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it works for for people to come to grips with how shooting impacts other people. It helps and not helps in like a good it, it helps your understanding. If you knew somebody who was there, I know a couple people who were at the Vegas shooting. Yeah. Like it, it helps me impact my ability to understand what they're going through. Or what it would have been like to lose them, you yeah. know? And that's the that's the thing that always sort of, like, I, I try and stick with. If, like, what if somebody I knew was in it? And then how would I feel? Because there are lots of people who lost somebody in the last, you know, 24 hours, last yep. month, last year, last couple of years over things like this. And how, how do you imagine their feeling? Um, and you said, what can we say about it that hasn't been said? Well, uh, Beto, uh, <laughs> took up that mantle and, uh, he said, it's a fucking tragedy on yeah. CNN, um, live. Uh, and he, here's the thing. Uh, I, I am over the, uh, let's pretend that presidential candidates don't curse. Let's pretend that they don't have like yeah. emotions. I, I don't want a robot. Uh, we tried that. We got George W. Bush and his compassionate conservatism. Um, but I think, I think that there is a... I don't want them to curse like they do all the, like all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't curse like me. Like if you look at the, the the Nixon tapes or something like that, like you know, like I don't need Nixon like out in front of like the the gaggle, the press gaggle, and just yeah. being like you fucking cunts. Like, yeah, like he nah, was uh, bit much, the, bit much. <laughs> recorded White House tapes. And I mean, like, uh, what we know about Nixon, don't need him dropping some of those racial epithets. Yeah, in, the, yeah. Uh, in front of the press pool either. But like, uh, here's the thing: I, I dig that uh, Beto is basically. I think part of him is just like, I'm not going to win, so I'm going to be the guy who makes a splash. Uh, by the way, Beto, go home and run for fucking Senate. Because um, you know how you get a gun bill passed? Get more Democrats in the Senate. That, that'll that certainly help. Uh, being the president doesn't do any good if you still have 51 Republican senators. Because you'll yeah. never get a fucking bill. Although, I mean, I guess we could do a state of emergency. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's going to be the way that we... <laughs> We, as in the Democrats, the royal we, yeah. uh, end up getting that that through. And uh, setting good precedents with, like, hey, uh, do something illegal? That's all right. I'll pardon you. It's yeah. fine. Because uh, the president, once again this week, said that. Uh, that he would pardon people who broke the law. Um, which, I listen, Nixon. Uh, Nixon's a bold man. Uh, Ford, bold as well. Neither of them actually said, I'll pardon you if you are going to commit crimes. They yeah. did, in fact, pardon people who committed crimes. But they didn't actually say it. It was uh, a, it was a lot of wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, yeah. listen, if you help me out with this one, then I'll look out for you if yeah. anything comes back. You know, Trump's really got that whole, you know, you said the quiet part out loud yeah. problem uh, on many topics. But I, I mean, back to Beto, though, he like 
it is becoming almost sticky at this point for me where I'm like, like, all right, I get it. Um, you're the guy who curses, you jump on tables. Great. Uh, I want a president who is kind of like that, but I don't want the guy who thinks he can become president by doing that. And I think that's the difference. You know what I think the difference is, is that, uh, the candidate who I would like to say like shit's fucked up right now would say it in a more, how do I put this exactly? Uh, like if something's really wrong and you get to the you're driven to the point where you're telling the media shit's fucked up. I would hope to see you be a little bit more raised about it. Yeah. Like, you know, like we're not going to do this every single fucking day. I, it, it, if I was president, I'm not going to allow these shootings to continue to happen. I'm going to do what I have to do every single day to help eliminate them along the way. You know, like you yeah. would be a little bit more animated about it. His problem is he's just like, well, you know, shit's fucked up. And then talking points. And he's just like, you know, like, I think that we need to have serious conversations with our other elected officials about what we can do in this said situation. It's like, no, 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 no. You're like, you're using the cursing as a manner for somebody to write an article like, oh, yeah. just cursed, oh cursed he on just said that word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. He just like, cursed on a CNN. But like, you know, everything that follows it isn't him like, like, uh, if I can't, it, it, it's the type of thing, like, I imagine if Obama cursed. If I heard Obama Ugh. curse on live TV, then it would be followed by, you know, a minute of him just steadily streaming on whatever <laughs> whatever topic got him the to that point. The emotional yeah. thing, though. Not the, like, let me hit the four talking points right, I right. got to say after that. Yeah, like, it would be like talking points be damned after you've laid yeah. the curse. You're just like, all right, I've already stepped in it, so I might as well <laughs> might as well go whole hog on this one. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, like, I'm fine with it. I don't care if people curse. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I think that's a change in our our culture in general. Is that people are less bothered by that sort of thing. But I would rather it be followed up by, like a. He seems to care about the issue, but yeah. he doesn't ever seem to get like passionate about it. You know that, and that's the problem. I think that's that's where he needs to to improve yeah, if I, he's going to continue cursing. Us. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean to be on my phone. I'm looking for a tweet that I saw from Elizabeth Warren that was basically exactly what you were describing. She may have deleted it. That mm. may actually be what happened. They I also tweet like it. 170 times a day. Like they all they these really candidates. do. Yeah. Um, because like you know they'll put out a new tweet for like you know like help me North Carolina raise some money for yeah. Your primary in ten months. It looks, uh, yeah, it looks like it might have been deleted. I'm like more than a week ago now, and I I know it was just in the past couple of days. But it was that thing where like, I feel like, and I don't imagine she's in control of her social media, but I think that it's got to be the thing where like, if she's like, give me the phone, yeah, like what are you gonna do? And she's like, yeah. dig it, dig it, and she types out the thing and goes. But it was this like very emotional response, and I don't think it was to the shooting. I want to say it was to like Dorian. It might have been about the president going and golfing, like, yeah. during the crisis. But it was just like a three tweet like. Reply to my own, reply to my own. Yeah, thread. And uh, it was not on talking points whatsoever. Yeah. It was not about waste. It was not about corporate accountability. It was not about any of that stuff. It was like, this is just irresponsible. You're the leader of the free world. And how can you say that a woman is not capable of that job when this is how you act and you're a man? You know, and, and that's very true. Because I think I think Elizabeth Warren is the, the person that I would like to hear this from the most. And yeah. she does it from time to time. Uh, like during the last debate, she did the whole, I don't understand why people go through all the effort of running for president of setting up the campaign and doing this to say, we're not going to do anything once we're elected or yeah. talk about all the things we won't be able to do. Yeah. Like that was her getting like really amped about something. And I imagine that if you hit her with some sort of like, 
You're like, well, you know that uh, healthcare isn't a basic human right, huh? And she would just be like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Here is why. Let me explain yeah. to you why it should let be me, a basic human right. Let me right. put a little respect on it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, and, and I mean, honestly, that the fact that it's gone now makes me think that maybe they were just like, all right, so we need to get you back on talking points. Uh, <laughs> Liz, I know you woke you woke up. You feel a little better about it today. Great. Let's delete those tweets. <laughs> and uh, or as soon as she handed it back to her a social media person, like the manager looked over and was just like, <laughs> just delete that shit. Let, Rob already got it. Rob already saw it and liked it. It's <laughs> a problem for the campaign at this point. Oh no! When the first like is Rob, I know we've gone uh, too far. It's gonna be a problem. <laughs> His the light before this was about guillotines. We can't have that. Um. Anyway, so uh, uh going a little bit more lighthearted, I guess, as we kind of wrap up the news section. Yeah. Um, I saw today, uh, not today, earlier this week, uh, that a momentous anniversary is upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how if you guys have been following us for five years, you'll know that Corey is a huge fan of Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. For reasons that escape me generally uh, <laughs> on the day today because um, she's talented and cute. One of those things used to be true. Uh, the other one, I can't say for sure. Nonetheless, her breakout role uh, was uh, 1999's She's All That. Yep. And that movie is now 20 years old as of this week. Yeah. And it made me think of a, a lot of undercover stars in that one, too. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. Well, I mean, go. Freddie Prince was like the lead guy, but I'm yeah. saying like Paul Walker was in that as true. like a secondary role. And so yeah. was Dooley Hill. And true. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. And I think there was a couple uh, female members of that cast, too, who were like they were just so overshadowed by her talent and beauty that uh, Corey can't remember who yeah. they are. Yeah. So it reminded me of an old segment that we used to do. Do you remember that old segment, Corey? Uh, movies old enough to fight. <laughs> And I was thinking we should maybe get back to that. That was a lot of fun. We Corey would just go ranting about a movie that uh, had turned eighteen or nineteen or twenty, <laughs> and uh, he just wanted everyone to remember. I think the last one we did was uh, the Late th- Night Wars. I think, <laughs> yeah, like, Late Show. Late Show. I, that's it. Yeah. I think. I think that uh, part of the reason why this segment number one and it was never overwhelmingly popular. <laughs> And then I think it also ran into like sort of a me too thing of like, maybe we shouldn't be talking about sure, like yeah, yeah. celebrating things that have become old enough to have sex with. But like it was all, it always just seemed like as a, a, a funny joke to explain a movie that was like roughly 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I stand by the fact that I think that it's worth every once in a while looking back on a movie that was like 20 years ago and you can sort of say like, Oh, nobody gave it. <laughs> Nobody gave it any due at the time, and no, now look at no. it. Yeah, it's a uh, classic now. And I don't know if it's a classic. I don't know if she's all that's a classic. It, it's uh, <laughs> it's a type of movie that doesn't really get made anymore. Right, yeah. Um, and it, I don't imagine that it works that well with like the changes in technology over the last 20 years. Oh, like, that it looks would be, horrible. It would be way harder to like make a modern day version of this movie. Yeah, yeah. with phones and internet and Facebook and everything like that. Well, I mean, also one, uh, it looks horrible. So any upgrade would be great on the actual video. Uh, two, a lot of the problems in the plot, much like everything in Seinfeld, would be solved by technology yeah. today. So there's that. Uh, and three, I remember Paul Walker being somewhat racist and or xenophobic in that movie or just misogynist one or the other i think it was misogynist yeah i just remember like as i'm thinking about about the movie i'm like i don't think we would like him today 
as his role in that movie. I think he was just sort of like that jockey women are disposable kind of guy. Yeah. So yeah, he had yeah. like a lot of like throwaway lines of just like, you know, like, well, if you don't like that girlfriend, go get another one or something like mm. that, you know, and like, uh, why don't you just hit it on prom night and never call her again? Yeah. Just little things that like uh, wouldn't wouldn't work the same way today. Oh, and yeah. I mean, like you, you know, it's what's interesting about that movie too is it was uh, it was sort of like the first it, makeup has gotten a lot better in the last yeah. twenty years too. Yeah, because there was a way you could do this movie today where it wouldn't be so obvious that Rachel Lee Cook was good looking. I'll clear up beginning. a little bit before. A little yeah. more than just glasses and a well, ponytail. No, I mean, like, That's... You start thinking about like classically beautiful people who've played ugly mm. in the years since. Like, uh, you know, Charlize Theron and Monster, for instance. Oh, like, man. yeah. Y- you would look at her in that role and say like, you know, like what kind of grotesque, you know, uh, trailer park woman is this? And then you look at her on a red carpet and you're just like, I, oh my God. I can't <laughs> believe the same woman. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there, there was an aspect of she's all that where like it was clear that uh, I mean they made fun of it and like not another teen movie yes. and stuff like that where it's just like this beautiful woman just puts down her hair and takes off her glasses and it's just like look at her there you go uh, done <laughs> holy shit I never noticed <laughs> like uh, I will say though she uh, can't be good looking she has pain on her overalls <laughs> oh that, that is I, I want to watch. See, I want to watch not another teen movie more yeah. than I do. She's all that actually. Let's just I wrap gotta, up all of those in one. I want to watch one and then the other. Yeah, like, watch she's all that and then not another teen movie. I will say one other cute thing that uh, happened this week was uh, classic a classic line for not another teen movie. It's not the size of the hammer; it's the nail you're throwing it at. <laughs> Dude, that guy is like a uh, well-respected actor now too, right? Um, damn, what is his name? He's always like that guy. Oh, I know that guy. That's a guy from uh, whatever. Um, oh, and Chris Evans was in not another teen movie. Shit, he was. Yeah. As the like, the jock star? quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he came yeah. out with the. You remember in Varsity Blues where the woman came out in the, that, the whipped cream bikini, and then he came out in the like whipped cream speedo essentially. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. With the banana on the other side. Uh, I almost. Oh, I almost. <laughs> I almost watched a movie called Sunshine and I like saw it and I'm like, I feel like I've watched this. So I watched the preview on HBO and then like 20 seconds into the, the minute long trailer, Chris Evans pops up and I'm like, whoa, you must really regret this movie. This is like a really <laughs> bad sci-fi movie, but I think he probably regrets not another teen movie. More I don't know. That. I think that's pretty funny. I think it holds yeah. up. I mean, like it's weird how like, uh, oh, none of these, none bad. of these movies seem to hold up as well. Watching them in a 2019 yeah. microscope. Yeah. But it, it it's kind of like Dave Chappelle. If you could just turn yourself off from the the fact that you know this is going to be controversial, it's pretty funny. Like, and I think satire might be the exception because it, it's intentionally satire, and yeah. it's like so you know it's already over the top. And a lot of the satire is like specific to a certain thing. Like you know, like I remember not another team movie they were making fun of like the bag blowing in the wind of American Beauty and that's stuff right. like that. <laughs> it's like that's not a reference that like holds out forever. Like. No. <laughs> 20 years later, if I showed some teenager that movie, they wouldn't get what the fuck that was. Yeah. Did they spend like, 30 seconds yeah. on a bag blowing? I'm and, like, the original was longer. In 2001, it made a lot of fucking sense to have that scene. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and uh, this week, another thing that happened, uh, I had a cutesy conversation with uh, some millennials um, <laughs> about how Euphoria was a great show, just a little over the top, because kids these days, kids never have parties like that, or they don't have that lifestyle. And I was like, first of all, like, 
at least 15 things from Euphoria I've experienced in my own life. Yeah. I, I have lived that life before. Um, so maybe it's just you have a boring childhood. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or, I mean, these things are I, typical, I still, right? I, so. remember, I remember, like, Roberto turning to me at one point during Euphoria and going, like, is this really what high school is like? And like Rachel and I are looking at each other like, yeah, like, yep. <laughs> like most Sorry. of these things happened when I was in high school and that was fucking 20 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the thing though is it's cyclical, right? So it happened for us. And then like the people who are midway between us and current high school. I mean, like there's other things. I mean, like there's things that just don't like translate the same. I mean, like I, I never really knew a trans kid. Oh yeah, growing no, up, no. like that just was not but the something gay kids that people would out. do. Yeah, gay kids were coming out right when we were in high school. It was yeah. like, okay to be gay in high school. Yeah, and it's not that there weren't kids who were interested in transitioning at the time. Yeah. It was just that it was like, you know, a death sentence more or less to like publicly put yourself out there like that. Like, and I'll say so similar to that. Uh, kids, and I know a lot of people felt that way, where they're just like, I can't do this thing because. Nobody's going to be able to understand what I'm going through. Someone who is seven years older than us was not having a lot of sex in high school because they were literally just coming out of the AIDS epidemic. And it yeah. was just like, no, no, it's not like this free love thing. But then seven years later, we're in high school. Specifically, I'm in high school. And it's like I'm responsible and I'm using condoms pretty often. But like yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I forget. And it's just like, yeah, you're going to be fine. But then. I think there was like a big push again in high schools. Like, Oh, kids are forgetting. Let's do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like kids who are a little younger between us and current high schoolers are back to the like, yo, no, it was always safe. It was always like, think twice before you do anything, blah, blah, blah. And then kids now and not kids like college people are in college are just out of it. Their high school experience was very much like free love. Kind of like yeah. how it was when we were in high school. It doesn't matter where you are, the backseat of a car, under a foosball table, anywhere is totally okay. I mean, like, I feel like there's, you know, obviously uh, what I what I keep thinking about when I'm watching Euphoria, uh, and tell me if you're in the same place, is my so-called life. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah. like, that had a lot of, like, obviously the drama was, like, fast-paced, and, like, they uh, there were five things that always happened during each episode. Yeah. Uh, sort of the same way Euphoria is. But there was also a aspect of where, like, you're... Like it, it's groundbreaking in the way that like that was the first gay character that a lot of people saw yeah. on TV and like where he was able to explain himself like and he wasn't like a caricature. Right. Like he, he obviously had like things that uh, insinuated to the audience that he was gay. He was a little bit more flamboyant. Yeah. He had a little bit of a list, but sort of things to just sort of like ease people into the fact that they knew he was gay without having to like know it ahead who, of time who played the gay character on my so-called life oh god i i he's really gay though right yes i yeah. feel like he was just playing himself that was i was gonna say i think if i remember correctly he's just doing a little bit bigger version of himself he was in uh uh he's not that he's just not that into you as well yes uh i can't remember his name shit damn um i'm getting it hold on don't now you look it up why you look it up yes my, my so-called so life for those of you who uh, Wilson are, Cruz, let me see his face. Do you have a Do you have a picture no, of him? Hold on a second. Oi, Kirkin out. And we're switching. We're switching the surface. The surface is coming. <laughs> Here we go. Yes. Okay. Now we get to go scroll. Scroll down. Yes. There we go. And we're sucks when for, I have the keyboard turned off. Wilson Cruz. I'm gonna scoot over. Ricky Vasquez. Yeah. 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 So he's um, he is gay in real life, and I feel like. 
that character was just basically him. So like it's yeah, well, I mean, I I think that it was really important for the people who made this show to say at the time yeah. that we had a gay person playing the character because so often in Hollywood at that time uh, there was not there were a ton of amazing gay actors who basically had to stay in the closet and yeah. act straight in order to get roles because as soon as they came out. It was just like, well, fuck you. Like there was nobody remembers like at the time when Ellen came out on her show. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. it felt like her entire career was over. And, and they, she was going to be like her show. Even in Democratic uh, Hollywood, yeah. there was just like this feeling of just like, oh, my God, it's done for her. She's never going to be able to work again. Like, yep. and, and then, then she like, disappeared for a while and then yeah. did comedy. And then they were like, hey, you're really funny. We should uh, put you on daytime TV. Yeah. And now America fucking loves her. Yeah. Where did that come from? But I mean, I think that's the same sort of thing that they did with the uh, the character in Euphoria, where they're they're just like, there's no point in having a a a, a quote unquote straight actor play yeah. a trans member. Like, we just need to get the best trans actor we can. And I'm sure there's just like, uh, you know, there there probably isn't high numbers of trans actors, but right. I imagine that the top end of the pool of like the talent pool is incredible. Oh, and just like they're, every they're other just pool. sitting there, yeah. like they're not. Like that's the that's the thing. Like I, I was talking to Roberto too about like uh, casting of like Latino actors and stuff like that. And it's just like we kept making the joke of just like uh, the executive just going like, "Well, Michael Pena is he available? Can we put Michael Pena in this thing? <laughs> we need we need a Hispanic uh, like, uh, Pena. Pena. No, we a- we need like a twenty year old. He can't play twenty. Can't get Michael Pena to play twenty. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> he uh, I think he's played everything from like a teenager to a forty year old yeah. in his twenties. So like yeah. it's just like ah, it's fine, whatever. It's just like the one actor who plays like every single version of like a bad Mexican. Yeah. Like, yeah. He has like the teardrop tattoo and he does like the, like, Hey Holmes, like in half the roles machete. and half the times it's like, yeah. Uh, he was, he wasn't machete. That's uh Danny Trejo. No, 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 not Danny Trejo. There's another one. Oh no. I, I said machete. Oh yeah. He, he played machete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, should we wrap up in the Baltimore corner? Yes. Super should. quick. Uh, so, uh, before we go here, uh, let's take a trip on down to the Baltimore corner. Or you get the straight dope. And uh, much like any corner in Baltimore, there's somebody yapping in the background <laughs> while you're trying to do things. Oh. And much like Baltimore, when you yell, everything gets quiet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Baltimore. Uh, a couple of big stories out. Uh, Corey, would you be surprised if I told you the two big stories of the week involve the Baltimore police? No. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, if not on this podcast, <laughs> if uh, some of you guys aren't on Twitter, um, you may not have seen the scariest and most hilarious video <laughs> to ever get made, um, which was a, a person standing on. I, I couldn't even identify the corner if I wanted to. It looked like like MLK and like uh, Calvert or something like that. Like, but no, Calvert and MLK, that would be like way. I see. You mean like uh, Lombard? What are the no, crossing like a streets? Little bit, what are the a cross little streets? Bit. See, I think it was further down. They were making a left towards the hospital. That's what I thought. Oh, maybe. I don't know. That, I think they, when they came up into that, that intersection, they were making it was a left hard to. I couldn't see signs, so yeah. it was hard to like yeah, yeah. make the judgment. But it looked like the University of Maryland Biopark was in the background. Which is, yeah, which MLK. Which is why I was saying MLK. But if you make a left And then there, like, you're, you're looking north on MLK, and you're not quite Lombard. You're like a couple like blocks Fayette? up. 
Like maybe Fayette or like yeah, Baltimore yeah. Street or something like that. Maybe. But it didn't look – I couldn't identify it like once they turned into the street. That was he the other problem. may have actually been on the corner of Baltimore Street, ironically. Maybe. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> uh, it's funny because the guy shooting it, uh, his reaction – is very much 2019 where it's like, <laughs> I'm going to record this. And then stuff starts going crazy and he flees for his life, but does not stop recording <laughs> and make sure that the camera is at an angle that yeah, can yeah, get yeah. good video. Um, but so a guy pulls in and gets like boxed in a little bit by the police and two policemen step out of the car to approach the vehicle. And he leans out the door and shoots at both of them and yeah. then jumps the, uh, the divider and makes a left in front of them. And it sounds like a lot of shots. And I was like, you know what? There's an it echo. It sounds like a, more than 100 shots. It, there's an echo. It could have been It could have been less than I thought. Nope. Like It's like 109 shots uh, <laughs> that they did. And they did not, as far as I know, kill him yeah. with bullets. Um, what's What's really interesting to me about that whole video, too, is that like how it like all of a sudden escalates out of nowhere. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. at first, it's just sort of like... The, the person recording is just like, oh, shit, gunfire. And he, yeah. like, gets behind a car a little bit. Like, just sort of, like, gets, uh, uh, puts his body behind the car. And it's just sort of like, pop, 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 pop. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, it's like, yeah, it's like a, the, the grand finale of a fireworks. Yeah. Like, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> it's like a sustained, like, 20 seconds. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> but. Still records all the way yeah. through. You have to give him some. You the real MVP. Oh, man. Um oh, nonetheless. So uh apparently earlier in the week, uh someone stepped up to a Baltimore police cruiser and shot through the window and then started a chase, which the Baltimore commander called off because it was reaching speeds of ninety miles an hour um on not forty. It is forty, but it's forty at the um further down where it becomes uh a residential road again. Shit. Um, yeah. Pulaski. Like Pulaski Highway. Yeah. yeah. So he called it off because he was like, ah, it's too dangerous to be doing 90 uh, yeah. in this neighborhood. And of course, the FOP, um, always out looking out for the people of Baltimore and their safety, said, uh, this is bullshit. Our cops <laughs> should be allowed to chase someone down and murder, I mean, to enact justice on them when they shoot at us. Um, but then the car was spotted. Uh, Two days later, and that's when this shootout occurred. Yeah. Uh, they tried to stop him, and uh, he fired at police officers and then made a left, and a lot of rounds were fired. Again, I don't think that they killed the guy, uh, which says something about the Baltimore Police Department, I think. Um, but it, yeah, can we get the Baltimore Police Department to go viral for something good? <laughs> that would be lovely. Like, uh, Well, the problem is anytime they go even half viral for anything good, yeah. it's immediately stomped. At, it's just like... You get one of those things where you get like a cop playing basketball with some kids. Oh, yeah. And then like, you know, as soon as it reaches like 20,000 views or something like that, like you look through the comments and it's just like, yeah, this is the same officer who murdered my son or some shit, you know, like and then the whole thing just fucking turns. And there's like there's no good way of portraying like that. That's the problem when, when you reach a certain level of notoriety like the Baltimore Police Department has. There's no way that you can just like uh, act like (laughs) pull out (laughs) one good. Yeah, there's. Yeah, the uh, if you remember the Dover Listen, Police. Listen, Roman Polanski made a lot of good movies. I don't. <laughs> the Dover Police had that problem when um, the guy went viral doing the Taylor Swift video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it come to find out he was one of the officers on scene when the guy like punted 
a, a surrendering suspect's head. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, and as you notice, he doesn't step in to do anything. He allows the officer to kick him not once, but then to turn him over and kick him again in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once that officer's on top of him, then he steps in to put cuffs on him. And uh, this is going to be the same officer you see here in this Taylor Swift uh, viral video. <laughs> so thanks, officer j- jerk off. Like, yeah. uh, thank you for helping the people so much. Um, but, you know, not to be outdone, another member of uh, Baltimore's finest said, you know what? That's not dumb enough. Shooting at somebody uh, 109 times uh, on a public street, not enough. <laughs> I am going to... Uh, Pull a McNulty? Uh, let's say pull a McNulty. <laughs> uh, that's uh, what I, my, the example I thought of. Now, I can't say for sure that this officer was on duty or off duty. <laughs> or sober or drunk. We can't say for sure whether he was sober or drunk. I just think it's odd that while driving through Southwest uh, in a police cruiser, apparently at high speed, uh, a someone dressed in their street clothes would lose control of the car and roll it in a single car accident. Yeah. And... Um, if you guys don't know what pulling a McNulty is, uh, <laughs> you should watch season one of The Wire. Maybe season two. That it was a cold open on The Wire. I don't remember yeah. what what episode it was, but yeah. it started with McNulty leaving the bar drunk. Telling the bartender he was he, fine to drive. He had a ride. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was coming to give oh, him a ride right. home. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you can give me my keys back because I, I, somebody else is driving my car. I swear to God I'm not driving. Yeah. I'm a uh, cop. You can <laughs> trust me. And then... Uh, <laughs> Does some wide turn and like, you know, scuffs up the side of his car and then sees if he can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and that was basically the cold open where yeah. he crashes his car. And maybe that's how that started uh, until the guy went <laughs> oh, a little too fast <laughs> and just rolled it over yeah. instead. Uh, anyway, so the witnesses say the guy was in plain clothes. So who knows if he's on duty or undercover because knockers are still a thing in Baltimore. Yeah. Don't let them tell you they're not. Um, But he rolled the car. Uh, damaging, you know, $150,000 worth of police equipment. Um, and uh, may or may not have been drunk. Now, you you might remember that uh, in weeks past, Baltimore police have been caught sleeping in their cars. Uh, they've been caught eating in their cars. Um, Using their cars to transfer drugs to Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, yeah that was the, the GTTF. That's true. They did that, too. Um and to, you know, just hold on to money and drugs that they seize without mm-hmm. reporting from drug dealers. Yep. So, you know, um, it's just yet another shining, shining moment in the city of Baltimore, which has now surpassed one murder per day this year, I think. Right. Yeah. We're at, uh, oh, we're yeah, we're 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 going to clear 300 by healthy margin. Yeah. I think 344 was the the um, the high. A the couple high years and ago. I still yeah. think we're going to break that uh, a cold winter might put a snap on it. But yeah. We have a nice warm winter. Good luck. Uh, it's going to be uh, not great in Baltimore City. So, uh, you know, something uh, somebody brought up to me. Did you watch RoboCop when you were a kid? <laughs> Freeze, dirtbag. <laughs> yes, it clearly yeah. did. Uh, Baltimore in real life is turning into a bit of the future city that RoboCop is brought into. Where it's just like, eh, listen, there's cops. They don't really do anything. They're kind of criminals themselves. They don't stop other criminals unless they are encroaching on their own criminal enterprise. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically just a shit show, uh, Machiavellian shit show. Uh, and that is kind of what Baltimore is turning into right now. Uh, last night, four people were shot in a quadruple shooting. One male, one female survived. Uh, a male was marked deceased. And then someone brought a child into the emergency room and had no idea how they were injured 
with a gunshot wound. And uh, it turns out they may, the child may or may not have been riding in the car of the shooter. Uh, and when they returned fire on him, that the child was struck. So then you're just like, what kind of world where you're like, yo, is, is that him? All right, all right, slow down real quick. Like, yo, the baby's in the backseat. Like, all right, yo, take this little hey, gun. Yo, baby. <laughs> take this little gun. Point that out. Just, you see that dude in a red shirt? You're just going to point that right at him. As we go by, I want you to pull it as many times as you can. Like, it's little, like, I don't know what else can be done, but uh, maybe a few more cops outside the White Owl. That might help. Yeah. Uh, although, probably not. Um, firing might- everybody. <laughs> Starting over. I, I, I still don't see how this situation just gets amended. Like, the problem is that, like, there's so many things in, like, in writing. Like, you remember when the auto industry went down and you found out that, like, there were people who were being paid by GM, like, you know, $98,000 a year to, like, sleep in an office all day. Yeah. And it's yeah. like they couldn't be fired because of the union restrictions that they had. Yeah. And yeah. if you fired them, then you had to pay them 150% of their salary for 10 years, and it didn't make sense. It's just like, just let Roger sleep in the office. And, like, everyone, like, at the end of it, like, everyone just went, like, you know, like, God, th- this is why the auto industry is so bad. They can't, you know, like, they're been overrun by their union. Yeah. And it's not that it was the union's fault. It was just the fact that, like, at a certain point, that negotiations had gone in the union's favor so many times that it it there wasn't going back on it at right. that point. And they weren't worried about the workers who might come into the union anymore. They were protecting the yeah, bad the ones workers who were there, who yeah. were inside already, uh, which is a great uh, metaphor for the Baltimore Police Department. Yeah, but I mean, like eventually, it just came to the point where uh, you know, like when the. <laughs> auto industry needs to be bailed out and all these stories came to the front. Yeah. yeah. Then public pressure got to the point where it's just like, listen, we got to fucking change something. I, I don't think anybody, if uh, the, the story that people aren't talking about with Baltimore crime is the FOP. Yeah. And then like the negotiations that happened between them and the city, because that makes all the difference in the world with how these things are able to go when there's a situation, you know, like, by the way, did you see the FOP got a new spokesperson? No. Hmm. It's a young, attractive white woman. No. So apparently, Baltimore police are watching Fox News because they are picking up on a few Is it Dana things. Loesch? I don't think it's Dana <laughs> Loesch. Although, if you were going to get somebody who I already hate to rep an organization that I already hate, Dana Loesch would be your yeah, go-to. Good so, pick. You know, not, uh, not bad. Uh, but uh, in uh, we'll have future news about the downfall of Western civilization at another time. But yeah. for now... That's enough of the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope. Do, 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 do. All right. We need to get music that goes by that. <laughs> Maybe just uh, the uh, Price is Right losing music. Yeah, I think that's, that's the perfect uh, sound effect for yeah. the Baltimore corner. Uh, that are, or I, some dude at 6 o'clock in the morning shouting, I got them yellow caps. I got them yellow caps. <laughs> got them WMDs. Yes. Uh Anyway, so nothing like stumbling into the finish line. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I don't even have a, a way to. You <laughs> threw me all off there. I don't even know what to say. How about them yellow caps? Anybody got some yellow caps? Oh, you want to get some yellow caps? You know where you can go? Where's that? Oh, the anthem.com, Anthem.com. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. By the way, clarify. I'm not going to tell you what yellow caps are. That's not drugs, though. I'll tell you that and for sure. If you know what they are already, you cannot get those at OTheAnthem.com. <laughs> Just so it's clear, yeah. those are not available. Bruce, blue stripes? It ain't, no. it, it ain't OtheAnthem.SilkRoad.com, all right? <laughs> Although, <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of lucrative. 
Anyway, oh uh, wait, that was this is like one. a little hidden thing that you can click on the website. It just takes you to the Silk Road. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yes, uh, you can find more of my stuff at CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, uh, at LegendsUB5 on Twitter, Instagram. Just had a review for uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, it went exactly the way you think it would, but probably worth listening to if you're in for that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we got to see a movie here at some point. I I, I wanted yes. to see one this week. It just sort of, the week sort of got away from us. So yeah, uh, I might go just catch an early flick and and try and make something. Yeah, I'm down this week. Anytime you want. Okay. I mean, not tomorrow because I want to get drunk tomorrow. But yeah. otherwise. Anytime. We'll figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was joking last week about doing an Everyman review uh, because of Corey's review <laughs> of. Uh, what was the first one that set me off? Oh, uh, shit. It's what we saw at the Alamo. Yeah. Mm. Oh, uh, scary stories. To tell scary stories. Yeah. That made me want to do my own reviews. Uh, then I heard the Hobbs and Shaw review. <laughs> An Everyman movie review will be coming this week. <laughs> I promise you. I was joking the first time. This time, I am not joking. I am doing this. It was set off. I have a theme song. I already know the <laughs> format. They're going to be very short and succinct and 15 or so minutes long. And uh, it'll be for everyone who's not pretentious. That's what you'll be able to uh Every episode will start with this bitch, Corey Baker. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, it's not going to be about your reviews. It's just going to be... Hey, uh, here's an honest review from somebody who likes to go to the movies and doesn't, you know, isn't like a self-flagellating person who hates themselves and the media for which they want to work in on a regular basis. I, I'm just saying at some point we get to these situations. We, we talked about like the, the union members and the, the mm -hmm. car, car auto industry. Mm -hmm. We talk about how the FOP is out of control. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is that the. Uh, allowing Fast and the Furious to be your new level of acceptable baseline is like letting some guy sleep in the office for 97 mm -hmm. grand a year. I see. You can it find more sets of me you off wrong. at Robert N. Cheek on all your social networks. Make sure you check out robertncheek.com where you can find links to my political blog. Uh, my new YouTube series, Every Man Movie <laughs> Reviews, which will be available this week on YouTube. Uh, and, of course, the books, which are available on Amazon. Byron's books. And uh, the new book, Foe. We'll be out on time in September uh, as soon as Corey prints out the rest of the 400 pages that apparently <laughs> the book comes out to. Uh, Got to check that formatting. I had one ream of paper and I was just like, oh, this will be enough to print out everything I need to print out. Why then, didn't you check the, the size and the number of pages? Because uh, I, I, in the past, I've, I, I didn't like doing back to back because then it bleeds through. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. like to have like the single sided pages, but then. Uh, I didn't realize until it started printing out that it was like real big. Yeah. yeah I could have, I could have resized it. I, uh, I write bigger on the page and I write in book mode. So it gives mm. me a left page and a right page. So it's formatted. I so. like it though. Cause it gives yeah. me room in the margins to write yeah. like longer notes, but so, uh, it ended up being a lot of pages, but then the actual book that you're going to buy will not be 400 pages. <laughs> uh, it will be a, a a tight 220 or so pages. So, uh, but a riveting read. So you're not going to want to miss that uh, yeah. coming in September. So excellent. Yeah. Well, I think we've done good here today. Uh, we've done something. I don't know if it's good, but as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. I just noticed that the trees that are green on my shirt are going through. <laughs> You the can see greens, the background. Yeah. It, it's just lightly. You can see a little city 
going through the trees sometimes. Mm. It's funny. Well, uh, much like uh, the real Baltimore corner, uh, you might have some gunshot wounds. I can't say for <laughs> sure. See ya.